Welcome, traveler, to the novelist journey. Your guide from Tatooine to the Death Star, and everything in between, where we break down writing topics within and without the bookbinding. My name's Daniel, but you can call me novelist. I'll be your guide on this journey. Hello there. Been a while for you? Or did you start this journey just a couple of hours ago? Either way, traveler, welcome back. You might be wondering why we're floating. More likely you didn't know we were floating at all. But as the wizard novelist, maybe known in these lands, mostly the creator of this story we follow, I can choose how we go about it. Think of this as a transitional time, a chapter that gets edited out because it just doesn't fit, but still gets written because the content speaks to the overall arc. So we're here, floating over the treetops, just high enough to see the ground between them, like a maze. The base camp is behind us as we follow the armed pair from the end of the last chapter. They look over-encumbered, even though they run with such haste. Beyond the whole floating thing from before, you might be fresh on the journey and just plain wondering what we're doing here at all. What's this all about? Well, let me break it down for you in a long-winded, totally not repeated every chapter explanation. In the nearly 10 years it's taken me to write, edit, and publish just one book, I've come to realize that I'm really good at coming up with ideas and scenarios, whether they're logical, complex, royal, sneaky, magical, dark even. Shall I actually let all these ideas out in the end? Maybe, through chapters in this story, or later books. But I love to share those ideas for all the times you have a roadblock and just can't make it through. So I share them here, so you can stumble upon them at any time you may want, or need to recall sometime later on. I don't focus on the actual writing part as much. It comes up as we go along, but mostly we create. Now back to the matter at hand. The collecting story and all the ideas I've been drumming up and pushing back as we get to the first peak. What have Simeon and Wayne been up to this whole time? What could we be talking about today as we float above it all? With such a well-fortified base, surrounded by hallucination-inducing plants, you'd think the Juktarn Guild are nearly impervious. And you'd be right that they are nearly impervious. But they have an issue, something making it harder for them to complete jobs, harder to attract new members. And it's not just one thing, but a whole bunch of them. Today's topic, and the thing bringing us all together, is spectacular dangerous creatures. What do I mean by that? Because dragons can be spectacular and dangerous, and so can unicorns and other mythological and fantasy creatures. But we're talking closer to nymphs, or fairies, and many other things. Something common, that while they are outside the realm of reality in some cases, they are common within the world of the story. They are expected, and just like many animals, are regionalized. Something common you might reference for this is a boar. They are wild, and can be reckless and dangerous to individuals. So what exactly are we dealing with in the case of Wayne? It's a commonish pest in the area, 
one with minor magical abilities. And we are on a mission to create it, like Frankenstein's monster, but many of them. For one thing, they're fast. That's why they don't get caught. They have something magical about them that makes them a problem. So they would need a wizard to solve it. And since I don't have my staff, I can only assume the wizard they've been talking about is Wayne. And to make matters worse, or actually better, I just remembered after how many chapters that he has a baby firebird with him. That would make even more of a point that he is the wizard instead of me. I doubt this will turn into a ravioli formuoli situation, but we'll tread carefully, or whatever birds do when they fly, besides poop. As we hover over these two, let's take a look back at other beasts that I've made for reference. Things that are spectacular yet dangerous, but not on the level of a dragon. The first one that comes to mind, and won't let me ignore it, is a stick bug. At least it looks like one. We can think of this bug-like creature as a Pokemon. And the one I'm going to talk about most is the first evolution. The original idea I had was a large bulbous bug creature called a Zarkota. It was the size of a bull at full size and was easily aggravated. It makes an appearance so far in a fanfiction I wrote in my own world setting, where the main characters are my favorite YouTubers at the time, Markiplier and Jacksepticeye. I won't get into the content of the story, because it will be a part of a duology spin-off I have planned, and I don't want to spoil it. But within the story, this creature exists, and it has a unique quirk about its existence. And that is that it became a Zarkota after eating a whole bunch of food. More specifically, it ate another Zarkota, and grew enough to take on larger animals like cows more quickly. And this is where the evolution part comes in. Originally, this creature is known as a Kokoshita, named because I misheard a BTS lyric years ago. It looks like the moth that looks like a grain of brown rice, but way bigger. They're scavengers, and sadly enough, they are cannibals. To become the size they do, Kokoshitas will consume livestock basically whole if they're the only one there. But they'll also devour the body of a Zarkota that can no longer fend them off. They're dangerous pests that can only get worse the more they eat. One obvious way to tell if one's around you and notices you is it'll start vibrating, like a cricket when it's cold, but way faster. It resonates through the air like a purring cat, but when you hear it, you know you're in trouble. The scenes I can remember from the stories I wrote about them are really cool in my mind even though my writing back then was nowhere near as good as I can do now. So when I revisit it, I'm so excited to give it the edit it deserves. Did you see that passing beneath us? A white-furred creature kind of like a dog. That must be what they're after. And there's another. Actually, three more. Environmental questions will help us determine what this creature is like, what features it has, and what makes it unique to this situation and this world and I can already think of some things that I'm ready to look into. First off, we have the glaring issue of mirage berries. The forest floor is covered in mirage berries. I'm not about to have this beast float over the ground, or have needle-like legs. Instead, it makes sense that the creature is nocturnal. Now what does that even mean? 
It has nothing to do with avoiding the berries and doesn't help in the daylight. But the berries support this attribute. They see in the daytime by breathing in the crushed berry spray to gain the misty night-like sensation and have adapted to see through it. It's an evolutionary sense that removed their need to hunt in the night. But these aren't just white-haired shaggy dogs. No, they are something separate from dogs and even wolves. It definitely has four legs, but no tail. Instead of the normal teeth that a dog might have, I'd like to give it sharp hooks in its mouth that lay flat against the roof of the mouth, and a wide, sharp bone jutting from either side of the bottom of its jaw that rests outside the mouth when it's closed. Nothing very tall, but front to back, it's long. Actually, I have one more thing about this creature that feels particularly good to add. Its fur is somewhat matted in strands, but on top of its head is a single bone protruding out and curving down. Sure, you can say it's like a unicorn, but the creature is smaller, and the horn isn't long and cone-shaped. It's irregular in shape, like a broken bone. Why did I add that? I have no idea, but it just felt right. And later on, if I realize it doesn't fit, then I can remove it. The most important thing with any of this is to decide and to create. Having things sit there because you don't know if it should or shouldn't have something, or should have it be one way or another, it slows you down. I almost said it limits you, but it does quite the opposite, and in this situation, more options is not what we want. Unless this is a choose-your-own-adventure book, or a video game, or something new entirely to the medium, Choice is not something you need. Characters in the story will make decisions for you, based on things you already know about them. If you don't like a decision they might make, you can adjust something about them, their surroundings, etc., to make it work. Or just accept it and work around it. These creatures likely have an evolutionary use for the horn, and I can develop a world-building reason behind that. But not right now. It may come down to how they hunt for food, or something to do with mating. So there's no reason to really work on it until it comes time to edit. There is a creature in my book, When Shadows Burn, that just like the Zarkota, is also bug-like. Except this time, I wrote the creature in after having seen many silverfish in my bathroom. They would crawl around, doing nothing wrong, but still being seen as a pest because they were inside the house. So I thought I'd bring something like that to my world. Introducing the Mongren a small dog-sized silverfish that lives in the world beneath the underground city, the sewer system. The system is just a bunch of tunnels carved along residential areas that are supposed to have running water along them to collect toilet matter and dispose of it in the dangerous chasm below, or into the river. Most of it doesn't go anywhere because the water either dried out or got blocked up, and some might say the mongrons blocked it up but they live in the sewers, just crawling around. There's nothing magical about them, but they're the only living things in Vasir, besides humans and one dragon. There wasn't much thought that I had to put into the creation part of them. The real fun came when implementing them into the story. Just as we're going to meld the Juktarn guild with this new unicornic creature, creating a creature within your story asks you to mix them in the same way you'd mix the personalities of two major characters. Wolves and humans mixed together made conflict until it made dogs. 
carrier pigeons helped form a new style of communication, and rhinos with their large pointed horns attracted poachers and sadly made bad people very rich. One creature I'll touch on very briefly is one based off of a sloth that fits into my world for very specific reasons. Slotted to appear in the fifth book I have planned, the langor was based on the sloth, and the definition of the word, pronounced likely very similar, but spelled ever so slightly different, is tiredness and inactivity. Oddly very fitting, when I don't know if I even knew the definition when I named it. But the creature is like someone gave a sloth giraffe legs. It's very tall, at nearly double the height of Tor. With a body at least double the size of a sloth, the Lingor travels between lands. Each land in my world is surrounded on all sides by a stone wall at least a mile or two high. Almost no creatures cross over the top to pass between the lands. The Langor is one of those that does. And because of that, I can world build a lot of things about their design when it comes to either creating them or editing them. It's very exciting to bring these new creatures to life, especially as they interact with the environment. Now let's finish off with a look at how these creatures interact with their environment as they close in on our targets. And it's time to give them a name. Something I suggest is to look at a thesaurus for words similar to what describes your creature. Mangran was a slight word change from mongrel, which is something a person might say about an animal they don't like. Zarkota was another set of sounds I thought up to align with the Kokoshita, the bug named from misheard lyrics. And the Langor just so happens to have a name that describes traits about it. This creature is like a unicorn and is nocturnal, hunts in packs and has matted white fur. All names are on the table. So many animals we know today have simple names like horse or owl. I even have a bird called an oar, which is just Oreo backwards without no. I'm feeling a name starting with C. Calibri is actually very close. Kind of like calibrate. The B, though, is throwing me off a little. Maybe calibrate. Specifically spelled C-A-L-E-Q-R-I. Something about that feels easy to yell when they swarm around you and you have to draw your weapons to fight back. Just like those Juktarn Guild members we are right above. And before we get involved with them, I'm going to let you go and catch your breath. And I'm always telling you to share what you make using what I've told you. But honestly, I want to hear what you've made in general. What magical or spectacular beasts have you made? What do you think about the creatures I've made? Feel free to share all of that in the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash the novelist journey. Or email me directly at thenovelistjourney at gmail.com and let me know where you think we should head on our journey. You're listening to this somewhere. But did you know there's also another spot to listen? Find this lovely podcast on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow on Twitter at Novelist Journey to hear more from me about all kinds of things, including updates on the podcast and more. Creatures are more than just stirring. And we've got a grand entrance to make. Let's drop in. Travel the pages, conquer the book, build your legend. <laughs>